Welcome to the NikkiOkwayPodcast.com. And thank you very much for subscribing and downloading our most unique and most powerful material till date, The Entrepreneur Advisor by Nikki Okoye. Entrepreneur Advisor is one of our series of exceptional, content-filled, empowering, and exhilarating podcasts designed and produced for the 21st century entrepreneur and business executive wherever they may be on the globe. Dr. Nikki Okwe, our anchor, is a serial entrepreneur, experienced business executive, and a 30-year veteran of building businesses and funding projects. He has also advised heads of states, presidents, and heads of global conglomerates on three different continents of the world, including North America, Europe, and Africa. His efforts at leading a venture from startup conception stage to billion-dollar status in less than 18 months is legendary. The Entrepreneur Advisor podcast series provides our listeners with extensive insight into the latest 21st century strategies for business development, investment capital aggregation, and global market penetration. In addition, Nikki Okoye tackles the most pertinent issues while providing tactical insight as well as strategic solutions for building sustainable enterprises over the long term. Let's sit back and listen to Dr. Okoye. If you wish to engage Dr. Nikki directly, you can follow him at Nikki Okoye on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Again, that's N-I-C-K-Y-O-K-O-Y-E on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Hi, this is Entrepreneur Advisor, Episode 4. It's always a pleasure to be here. This is Dr. Nikki Okoye, and I am your host at this podcast. Always happy and excited to bring you strategies and investment opportunities from around the world. I'm going to be talking about the eight game changers. These are the eight industries in the developing world that I consider game changers. They also dovetail into the developed world. So in some cases, if you are uh, based in the United States or in Europe, um, some of these game changers will affect you. I'm also going to talk about uh, market penetration strategies. In episode three, we talked about market penetration strategies, and I did promise that I was going to go into a little bit more detail um, as far as market penetration strategies are concerned. Now, for the game changers, we're looking at about eight industries. I'm going to list them out, and then I'll go into a little bit more detail for each industry, just so that those folks who are running businesses, entrepreneurs who are considering starting up businesses in these particular industries, you would probably get a little bit more insight into how to position using some of the strategies that I will be sharing in this particular podcast episode. This is the Entrepreneur Advisor Series, and I am Nikki Okoye. You can follow me at Nikki Okoye on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on LinkedIn. So the first is the information and communications technology. Now, that's an industry which encompasses most of the modern disruptive technologies that we're dealing with today. I'll go into a bit more detail later. Then the next industry is uh, media and entertainment. Of course, this is an industry that a lot of young people uh, gravitate towards. It also provides tremendous amount of jobs and opportunities for young people. And I will give you a bit more detail for that industry, especially as it regards the developing world, especially as regards Africa and in many cases, 
Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, and so on. Again, another industry is agriculture. Agriculture is a wide industry because it also includes farming, agricultural processing, so agro-allied goods, animal husbandry, uh, fishing, aquaculture, even fertilizer and some agricultural value chain inputs are covered in this particular industry. I'll give you a bit more detail on that. And then energy. Energy is wide as well because energy takes you the entire spectrum from what are the areas or the products that are burnt to provide energy. So we're talking about fossil fuels, oil and gas. And then you look at what are the alternative sources of energy, which we like to call renewable energy. So that could be wind, water, solar, and so on. There's an entire value chain that supports the ability to use energy. So distribution systems, the grid system, the metering, transformer equipment, and so on and so forth. If it is as far as uh, fuel energy, then you're talking about refineries and production plants and, and so on. And so that is a huge industry. And we'll look at that in a greater perspective. And then real estate. Real estate development is beginning to change in its character and appeal, especially in the developed world. But that uh, has also dovetailed and the influences, we're beginning to feel that, feel that influence in the developing world as well. So uh, a lot of mixed use developments are beginning to spring up in cities across Africa, especially in Nigeria. And a mixed use development was simply referring to a building that would have uh, residential in one building. The same building would have commercial. So you have shops and you also have offices. You will have restaurants, you have bank, and everything is going on in one particular. Sometimes you can even have a hospital in the same building, which makes it a vertical city, so to speak. So you actually, if you're living in that building and there's a hospital there, and there's a bank there, and there's a gym there, and there's a shop there, a grocery shop, then chances are you might not need to leave that building in a hurry. So residential developments and uh, real estate development is beginning to take on a new kind of character. Then there's manufacturing and manufacturing has a different spectrums. So there's the micro manufacturing, there's the small and medium scale manufacturing, there's large scale manufacturing, and then there's the value chain manufacturing, which is the supply chain. There's the service industry. So the service industry, I would include areas like consulting, advisory services, beauty, fashion, home services, office services, catering services, hospitality services. So the service industry is equally quite a large and it has a lot of subsets, if you, if you will. And then I would say number eight is the transportation industry. So you have the traditional transportation industry like shipping and bus companies and taxi services and trucking and aviation and all that. Then you have the value chain, you know, the folks who are involved in logistics and haulage and the folks who supply those the transportation hubs. Now, I say these are the game-changing industries for the developing world, for Africa, especially because these are the areas where there's still a lot of opportunity that has not been tapped, which entrepreneurs who are already in these industries can take advantage of reposition their firms and take advantage of these opportunities or folks who are still trying to consider setting up a business in a particular industry might want to consider one of these um, game-changing industries as you will 
So let's look at information and communications technology, for instance. Some of the disruptive technologies of recent time have been built almost exclusively on technology. And so if we look at the aggregation strategy as provided by a company called Uber, if you recall, if you listened to the last podcast, I, I talked about the sharing strategy. So Uber, Airbnb, Lyft, Spotify, all these companies have a sharing model. This is a model about sharing between multiple users. So the platform provides a sharing strategy, if you will. And so what technology has been able to do is to aggregate customers, aggregate suppliers, and then you have a platform that sits in the middle of the suppliers of the product or service that you're consuming, and then the consumers that are on the other side, and then the platform is in the middle. And so in, 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 in entertainment technology, like Spotify or Netflix, or in financial technology, fintech, like PayPal, Braintree, and so on and so forth, you have game-changing applications that have almost revolutionized the developed world. Now, the good news is that some of those applications have not yet been deployed in the developing world. So the market is still virgin as far as many of the nations in Africa are concerned. In Nigeria, for instance, the fintech world is only beginning to take shape. Nigerians have only just got used to wireless transactions. So the wireless transactions and the infrastructure that supports wireless transactions for individuals and for consumers to pay for goods and services with their credit cards or debit cards or bank transfers from their phones as the case may be the population is just getting used to that and the good news is that the younger people that are coming up from school have grown up in an economy that has become more and more of a cashless economy so fintech applications a lot of them are springing up across nigeria there's going to be a consolidation i believe in the next one or two years because there are quite a number of them right now so that consolidation is going to happen and then we're going to find out very soon who the winners are a big player in that field already is interswitch and they recently got new investments from international players I would expect a few more large-scale investments would happen in that field and then the consolidation will start taking place. But there's a lot of opportunity in the edtech space, education technology. There's a lot of opportunity in the medtech space, which is medical technology. And there's a lot of opportunity in the transport tech space, uh, transportation technology. So there's a lot of opportunity in the edtech space, education technology. There's a lot of opportunity in the fintech space. There's a lot of opportunity in the medtech, which is medical technology, and also in the transportation technology space. And even in hospitality, where you have Airbnb that is making waves internationally, there's an opportunity for local application providers to aggregate hospitality services in specific locations. So country like Nigeria or Kenya 
of South Africa, you can have local players providing a similar Airbnb type strategy to aggregate users of hotel room services, bed and breakfast, as the case may be. Now, as far as the media and entertainment goes, I love this industry because it's exciting, it's young, it's fresh. Nigeria, for instance, has seen the growth of Nollywood, which is arguably Africa's largest movie industry. But what people don't see is the value chain that makes up the Nollywood industry. Everybody sees what's in front of the camera. Nobody sees what's behind the camera. So behind the camera, you have hundreds of people, thousands of people, and running into hundreds of thousands of people now that are supporting this industry in different aspects of the value chain, from lighting and cameras, to cinematography, to script writing, to directing and assistant directing, associate producers, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are beginning to learn some very specific skills right down to the editing and the music integration and how these movies are, are integrated with specific kinds of music and so on. Those are very exciting skills. But what I think the opportunity for entrepreneurs would be in this particular industry is the ability to start telling unique stories in the movie space. Uh, if you look at the Nollywood industry, and I, I use Nollywood as an example because it's the largest movie industry in Africa and third largest in the world. You'll see that the stories that are being told by Nollywood are, they're mostly dramas and they tend to, to capture everyday life. So my mother-in-law is not happy with my new wife and there's a quarrel and the drama that goes with that or the guy is looking for a son and his wife has all these daughters and there's a drama that goes with all that. The village guy has access to juju <laughs> and, uh, and he goes and becomes friends with the village guy and uses the juju to make himself rich or to make himself, you know, all these kind of um, fantastically told fairy tale kind of stories. You know, but, but what I think is missing from Nollywood is the true life stories. If you watch a typical Hollywood flick that is telling a story that is based on true life experiences, those happen to be some of the most engaging and the most powerful stories ever told. Nollywood has not gone in that direction yet. So I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. There's also opportunity for building smaller exhibition centers. What we have in Nigeria now is a lot of large exhibition theaters, a lot of movie cinemas with large expanses and huge investments. So they've created a huge barrier to entry and they have created models that are extensively much longer for return on investment. And because of that, the price point for every single ticket has to be at a certain level. So in other words, they're targeting a specific income bracket. I think we need to go below the bar and start targeting the community income bracket. So now a typical ticket would cost about 1,500 Naira, which is roughly about five, five to $6. What you would need 
if you wanted to penetrate the communities is to bring a ticket down to one two dollars two dollar ticket for a movie that's about 500 600 700 naira two dollars is about 700 naira if you could bring it down to one dollar fifty which is about 500 naira then that's the sweet spot that where you could proliferate movie theaters at a community level all across the country right now we just have about 20 to 30 40 screens in the entire country but if you included the community strategy you could have thousands of screens across the country which means you the multiplier effect for the earning capacity of each movie that is released as a nollywood movie will be phenomenal so that is an opportunity i think is just waiting to happen there's opportunity also medium entertainment for youtubers bloggers folks who are focused on documentaries even the folks who plan and organize concerts again i think the concert model in nigeria is a bit skewed towards the elite so to really make money on a concert basis in nigeria music concert i'm talking about you find out that you have to sell tables and they sell tables to you know 10 or 20 or 30 tables to you know high net worth individuals or large corporations and typically that's how the concert organizers make their money but because they're doing that then they're holding what we call one-off concerts and everybody tends to leave the one-off concerts all the way to december so december in lagos is jam-packed back to back day to day there's a concert every single night sometimes there are three or four concerts in one single light at different venues i think that model is a bit flawed i think we could do better i think we need to lower the bar to concert ticketing so get rid of the one two three four million naira table process and then extend the concerts to different cities so rather than have just a one-off concert or a two-off concert in lagos go on a nationwide tour you can do 30 cities if you do 30 cities and you target 10 to 20 million per city then you're going to do 300 to 600 million naira over the tour whereas if you're doing one concert in lagos you are doing maybe by the time you sell 10 tables at 2 million you've got 20 million naira 20 tables at 3 million you got 60 million naira so you walk away with about 60 or 70 million naira you obviously don't make much money from the folks who are paying 5,000 10,000 naira per ticket but the strategy is in tours 30 city tours 40 city tours if Nigeria can't handle a 30-city tour, then extend it beyond Nigeria. Let's do Ghana. Let's do, you know, Cameroon. Let's include a few other African countries. And so we can come up with a 30-city, you know, spectrum, if you will, that has a huge pool of entertainment fans. And then we can start organizing 30-city tours every single month. 
through throughout the year there's one concert from a different concert organizer coming to a city near you concert folks will make money the artists will make money the fans are happy so let's look at agriculture i did mention that agriculture has a wide disposition i included processing i know that we don't do a lot of processing in africa we sell most of our cash crops raw and funny enough we're losing out even on the trading aspect of it because there is no significantly viable commodity exchange in africa certainly not in nigeria so the commodity exchanges basically is a platform where you buy and sell commodities and what people do is that they they buy these commodities forward so they, they do a lot of forward contracts so somebody who wants to buy orange juice from a farm would like to have a set price he wants to know that his price is going to be set throughout the year so he can plan better he could budget better so he will go to the commodity exchange and buy a contract to buy orange juice at a certain price every single month for the year and the farmer's happy because the farmer also has sold his product at a set price every single month for the whole year and so investors can now take positions at the exchange on behalf of the farmers and the buyers or the end users of this particular commodity so in many cases it is not the end users that buy the contracts that are sold on the commodity exchange. It is investors. And so what we're missing out from the agricultural value chain in Nigeria and in Africa is that commodity exchange, the stand between. There is huge potential for us to put in place a system where forward contracts can be bought and sold on behalf of the farmers or on behalf of the processing facilities. If you're processing cashew, or you're processing palm, or you're processing groundnut, or you're processing any of the cash crops, millet, uh, sesame seed, you probably want to have a guaranteed market. Right now, the market is fragmented. You make your investment, you start looking for distributors, looking for buyers, and you have a huge risk. The commodity exchange takes away that risk. So that's a missing element in the entire agricultural value chain as far as Nigeria is concerned. So a huge opportunity there for us in Africa and in Nigeria in particular. Great opportunities in aquaculture. Uh, fish farming is, the science is, has been defined. It's easy to accomplish. I think one of your greatest risks in Africa is just to make sure the people working with you don't steal your fish. That's a basically it because the fish are going to grow very quickly. The demand is huge. It's a very good source of protein. And um, it doesn't take that much to, make the, to feed them, to make them grow quite quickly. Uh, and so the fish, fish farming is, is cool. And there are different types of, of, of fish farming. You can do the in-pond fish farming where you put them in a cage and you dump it in a pond. So you don't have to own your own pond. Um, so you can use the river or a, a lake and sometimes they do it in the ocean and, and then you can use the artificial pond strategy where you can have several ponds in one particular compound which are giving you 
different uh, species of fish depending on the market that you want to serve. Uh, the value chain also includes the cold rooms, uh, the drying if you want to be selling dried fish, of course creating the, uh, the large market uh, for aquaculture is also interesting. Poultry is also a great one. Everybody eats chicken uh, where millions of people, uh, which means there is going to be millions of chicken demand on our breakfast, lunch or dinner table every single day. So poultries are always going to be busy. You can't go wrong with a poultry. Uh, but you need to get the science right. Um, one of the biggest cost elements to managing and operating a poultry is the feed. And I hear that the feed could take as much as 60 to 70% of your, of your output in terms of your overhead costs. And so you need to make sure that you get the feed supply right, either from established suppliers or you build it into your value chain and have your silos and your mixes on site of your poultry, depending on how large your poultry is. Like I said, in terms of processing, quite a number of products that can be processed across Africa, especially in Nigeria, what we do need is a processing industrial park where we could put processing centers and get folks to come and set up processing units within the park uh, to target agricultural uh, opportunities. Um, as far as the energy is concerned, oil and gas is a huge, one of the most strategic industries in the world. People tend to believe that it is losing its significance because there's a lot of emphasis now on alternative energy. And due to the uh, climate, the Paris Climate Accord, a lot of countries have committed to reducing their carbon emissions. In that respect, you do have some element of oil and gas you know, getting squeezed, if you will, as far as demand is concerned. But I, I don't see it going anywhere for a while, maybe another 20 or 30 years. So oil and gas will continue to be a big player. In fact, the demand for gas is growing as opposed to shrinking. LNG plants are still springing up across the world. There are huge investments going into Mozambique. There's huge investments going into Grenada, Indiana, and, and so on. And so what you find is that gas is growing, or demand for gas. Gas burns cleaner, so I can understand why it would grow and the price is a bit more manageable and predictable than oil. Um, but the, the value chain is, is significantly uh, changing. And one of the areas that we have had a problem in Nigeria, for instance, is in the power value chain. Uh, the, the demand for electricity has been anchored on a specific strategy that allowed for private investors to take over the distribution companies separate investors took over the power generating companies and so they generated companies that are supposed to supply power to the distribution companies who in turn supply power to the end users to the customers and these customers include commercial businesses industrial businesses and individual customers families and so on and so forth 
And then the value chain also includes the supplier of the feed to the power generating company. So some of them are dependent on gas. Some of them are dependent on hydroelectricity, which is water dams. And like I said, some have renewable, other renewable, you know, solar. We don't really have any big solar plants in Nigeria, but most of the folks who are supplying power in the current value chain are getting their feedstock from gas. Now that means that the price of gas is a factor in the value chain. And then the price of the tariff of the energy per kilowatt hour that is supplied and goes all the way down the line to the end consumer. The challenge we've had for investment in the power industry up till now has been that the government has fixed the price. And that seems to be the same problem we had with the um, with fuel, which was the petrol for cars. Nigerian government tends to do a lot of price fixing. And so they fixed the price of petrol and you know they, they did that. And because they've done that, therefore the government must pay a subsidy for the price because when the petrol gets to the pump, it actually costs more than what the price the government had fixed. So government has to pay the difference. Now, unfortunately, the government did the same thing in the power industry where they fixed the price of the tariff for the consumers. And whereas they were not paying a subsidy, they stifled the industry because there was no new investment coming in. People would not invest because they would not see how they would make their money back. And that has been a challenge for the past four or five years, if you will. I understand that they've made an adjustment and uh, the tariff can now be adjusted. And so we may see a lot of new activity, new investment in the power industry going forward. And that is exciting news. But I want to stop here. I'm going to complete the eight game changers in podcast four, five, my next podcast. And then I will take it to the market penetration strategies just so that you can understand how to penetrate specific markets. So thank you very much for listening. Remember, if you want to hit me up, it's Nikki Okoye, at Nikki Okoye, which is N-I-C-K-Y. OKOYE on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.